All right, Docs of Church, guys, we're, we're together uh, in a different way, but we're together nonetheless, and it's, it's great to, to be with you guys today. As you can see, guys, I'm, I'm in our, our new building in our, our new space, and uh, guys, it's just a, it's an awesome thing. It's, it's kind of weird. I'm, I'm here. I'm with the, the camera, and I'm with a couple of the tech guys, and, but here's the thing is like this, this building, I can't wait for you guys to, to experience it, to, to see it, to, to be in it, because this is just like an awesome gift that God has just dropped in our, in our lap. And he's going to stand in here in this auditorium empty, looking at this camera. I just am like in just in such anticipation and excitement of like when we get to gather here together, you know, and, and fill this place and with one voice just raise out a word of worship to our, our King Jesus. And it's going to be amazing. But guys, go ahead and grab your Bible. Open up to, to Acts chapter 15. Guys, we're, we're continuing today our, our study of the, the great book of Acts. It's been taking us the, the better part of a year. But as you, as you get to the book of Acts chapter 15, let me, let me say this, okay? I just want to start off by, by recognizing that, you know, a lot of us are, are just going through it right now. All right, this is really just kind of like a, an unprecedented time for all of us. You know, some of us are, are concerned in, in terms of health and in terms of finances, in terms of jobs and, and even businesses that, that you may own. Like our city, our state, our nation, and our world are, are concerned about these exact same things. I mean, people are asking these questions like, where am I going to get food? Like, you know, what am I supposed to do with my kids? Am I going to be able to get like the health care that, that I need? Because we're just in this like crazy season of just uncertainty and difficulty as a result of, of the spread of this virus. But in the midst of this, Doxa, here's what, here's what we just need to know. And I, I need you to know this, guys, that we worship a God who is fully in control and simultaneously fully caring. And, and even just this week, I was reminded of this tr- truth as I was considering like the, the gospel of John chapter 11, where we get this like beautiful, powerful picture of Jesus being fully in control of all that was going on with his friend Lazarus, even as his friend Lazarus gets sick and, and ultimately dies. But in this account in John chapter 11, we, we see that Jesus actually kind of holds off with going to Bethany where this, where this place was, where his friend Lazarus was saying that when we get there, it's, it's going to be fine. We're, we're just going to wake him up. And as he gets there, he, he sees one of Lazarus's sisters, Martha. And even as he, he sees Martha, he, he looks at her and he, and he tells her, hey, hey, don't worry about this. It's, it's going to be fine. We're going to raise him up. We're going to wake him up. That Jesus was just completely in control of the situation, totally in control of, of everything that was going on. But at the same time, we, we see that he sees another one of Lazarus's sisters, Mary. And as he locks eyes with Mary, he sees the, the grief in her eyes. He sees the tears running down her face and he weeps with her. And so Jesus is, is fully in control, but he's also just fully caring. And as we look at this text, Jesus, in the text, it says that as he saw like the grief in her eyes, like the, the despair, the, the sadness, the, the anxiety, that the, the pain that death has brought about, the text says that Jesus was like troubled in his soul. And Doxa, I just want you to know that our Lord Jesus Christ is totally in control. He's completely in control of this pandemic outbreak through the, the coronavirus. And at the same time, he's fully caring. And he sees you. All right, he, he sees all of your concerns. And he doesn't just see you, but he's, he's feeling with you. He's empathizing with you. He's concerned with you. The, the book of Hebrews talks about how we have a great high priest that can empathize with us and, and sympathize. He feels that. And in times like this, we just need to be reminded, guys, that we have a sovereign God. We have a God who is a, is a good father and a great and powerful king. He's fully in control 
and he's fully caring and completely good. And this is why in places like 1 Peter 5, it says that we can cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And so Doxa, what this means for us, and this, what this means for you right now as you sit at your screen is that you can do this, we can do this even now as you sit there. That we can draw near to God knowing that he's close and that he will draw near to us. We can draw near to him and and know that he loves us and he cares for us and he sees us and and hear this, that he's powerful enough to deliver us from all of our anxieties, all of our afflictions, our sufferings, our fears that we are experiencing maybe in in this present moment, but for every single day, every single moment for the rest of our lives. And as we remember, guys, that God is completely in control, Here's what this does. It, it brings about a sense of peace and joy and trust and thankfulness that really, honestly, it, it doesn't make any sense apart from knowing the love, the care, the power of God through the gospel of Jesus. And what I love about this, guys, this, this truth is that this is actually where we find ourselves today as we continue studying the, the book of Acts, okay? And so you have your Bibles opened. And before we, we get into this, I'm just gonna pray for us that just like our Bibles are open, that I'm just gonna ask God that he would open up our hearts, open up our eyes, open up our ears, so that we can receive, see, and and hear Jesus, all right? So just pray with me. God, thanks for for our church, thanks for, man, even just like the the technology that we have to, to do this and gather like this in the midst of all that's going on in our world, and so, And I I pray as we open up the Bible, Holy Spirit, that you would just light it up, the words that you've been written, that you've given us, that you would teach us, that you would open up our eyes, open up our ears, that we can hear you, we can see you, and we can receive you. And so speak to us today, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're actually, I told you to open up to Acts chapter 15. We're gonna actually start in Acts chapter 16 in verse 22, okay? So in Acts 16, 22, this is, this is what we see. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off, off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, about midnight, and here, I want you to underline this next part. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Guys, here, here's the picture, okay? Paul and, and Silas, these, these men who just love God, they, they love people, they're, they're going from town to town, from city to city, they're just sharing the message of God's love through the gospel of Jesus, and at this point, they're, they're wrongfully arrested and, and they're beaten, okay? And it's not just like they're just like pushed around a little bit and smacked across the face a, a few times, but if you look back, they were, they were stripped and they were beaten with rods, and the text says that they suffered many blows from, from these rods, okay, so they're, so they're beaten, they're bloodied and bruised, all right, and they, they're thrown in jail, and, and here's the interesting thing, guys, what are they doing? Look at verse 25, they're praying and singing hymns to God, and so like, if you think about this, what this means is that they're, they're basically having a church service, right, they're, they're talking to God, they're, they're singing to God in worship, and the other inmates in there are just like listening to them, but, but here's the question, right? We, we talk about this all the time. When we come to the Bible, we, we ask questions. And the question that we have to ask is this, guys, is how in the world can these men do this? Right? I mean, they're, they're suffering greatly. They're, they're in desperate need. Their lives are, are being threatened, yet they, they sing. 
And they have a joy in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their affliction and their uncertainty. But how? Doxa, here's what I think. Right? These men are not superhumans, okay? They're not angels, they're not more than us, but they're just men. They're just like you and me, people like you and I. But here's what they have that I think that many people around the world, many Christians, many of us today lack. Doxa, they have a view of God that we desperately need. You know, our college ministry, The Salt Company, has been going through a, a teaching series this semester called Your God is Too Small. And the truth is, guys, I, I really believe that this is true of, of all of us to some extent, that our, our view of God is, is oftentimes too small. That even for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time and really have been saturated in the Bible and we're disciplined in spending time with him, guys, we, we just need to know the truth is that God is way bigger, way better, way more loving, way more powerful than we can even imagine. We, we can't even comprehend how great he is. And what we're gonna see today through this account in Acts, guys, is that we have a God who is completely sovereign. And this is actually what leads Paul and Silas to sing in the midst of their suffering. And, and throughout this week, guys, I've, I've been praying that, that, that when we're done, like when you close this screen, that you're gonna be able to sing and pray like never before as you see the greatness, the goodness, and the sovereignty of God. Because this is really the, the issue for us today, okay? It's, it's the sovereignty of God. And, and when we talk about this like theological idea of like the sovereignty of God, there's, there's so much that I could say on this topic, but, but here's what I want you to know. The sovereignty of God just simply means that, that God is in control. All right, I, I want you to write that down. Write that down in the margin of Acts chapter 16. God is in control. This is like the, where we're at, guys. And this is absolutely true, all right, that there's nothing that happens in this universe that's outside of God's influence and authority. That as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that God has no limitation and he's ultimately in control of all things. I want you just to consider a couple of the claims that the Bible makes about God, okay? L listen to this. In Romans 13:1, we learn that there's no authority except for God. That he's king over all and he's over everything in control of everything. In Job 42.2, it says that God's plan for restoration and redemption, it cannot be stopped. The, the words is, a, he, it cannot be thwarted. All right? it, he can't be stopped, not by human hands, not by spiritual influence, not even by the spread of a, of a deadly virus that sweeps through our world. It cannot be stopped. In Psalm 103.19, we see that God is in control of all things and rules over all things, that he has power and authority over nature, over earthly kings, over history, over angels and demons, and even Satan himself has to ask God's permission before he can act. Guys, God is sovereign. He's in complete control. And in his authority, guys, he has this beautiful plan and purpose that he's carrying out even today, which is this. It's the redemption of people and the restoration of all things. Doxa, this is where the world is going. Right, the world is not going where COVID-19 is taking it. The world is not going where the CDC is, is taking it. The world is not going where our national government is taking it. The world is going where God is leading it. This is the truth. This is, the, this is like the gospel that we talk about. This is the, the gospel that we preach about and sing about and celebrate. It's, it's what it's all about. And when I talk about this gospel, this is what we need to constantly be reminded of because it's the good news that drives 
everything about our family here at Doxa. It's the foundation of our church. And the gospel that we all need to be reminded of and receive today is this, is that the thing that has brought you here to tune into this live stream or the thing that continues to bring you to Doxa week after week is actually not a thing, but it's a person. And his name is Jesus. And he's brought every single one of us here in front of this screen to break into your lives, to show you who he is, to show you who you are and who he's created you to be so that we can step into a new reality and a new future of hope and peace and joy and redemption through faith in Jesus. The gospel is all about redemption and restoration that through Jesus, guys, we're redeemed from the mess that sin has caused in every single one of our lives. All right, because we know that God created everything and it was beautiful and perfect. That there was no sickness, there was no brokenness, there was no sin, there was no tears, it was, it was perfection. But in the midst of that perfection, humanity, instead of choosing God, we chose sin. And sin just brought brokenness into our world that we experience pain and death and into our relationship with God where it's just broken. But God in his goodness and his power, he steps into human history as the man Jesus. He dies on the cross for my sin, past, present, and future. And through faith, Jesus takes all of the sin that, that has caused problems in our lives, has broken our relationship with God. He gives me his perfection, his righteousness, and he redeems us. And he brings us back to God as every single one of us were intended to be. He redeems us. And so Christian, this is an opportunity for you just even just to pause be on your screen right now and just thank God for that the gospel coming to you. And for those of you who are, who are watching, maybe you're not quite there, this is the good news of the gospel for you today, that God has brought you here to hear this great news that Jesus redeems and redemption could be yours today. He's the answer to every single one of our problems. But guys, the gospel is also about the restoration of, of not just us individually, but, but all creation generally. And I love, you know, the Bible gives us this beautiful picture of the future in Revelation 21 where, where we see that God is gonna bring about like a, a new and perfect world. And he says this, okay? In Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear. Listen to this, every tear from their eyes. How many tears are, are flowing today? And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And listen to this. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. This is God's sovereign plan. Because this is the gospel and this is the sovereign plan of God that he is leading the world towards. Amen? Right, we, we, we can't, I can't hear you, right? But this is an opportunity for us to like engage so that when we can get back together, we can all be yelling and screaming and all, right? But this is like good news, guys. Paul understood this. He understood the sovereignty of God. He understood the plan of the gospel. And as that truth sank deep down into his heart, guys, it led him not to worry, but to worship. He tells us later on in Romans 8, 28, that we know for those who love God, that God works all things together for good. Paul trusted God. And as we work through this text, guys, we're gonna see God's sovereign hand, like guiding Paul for his ultimate purpose. And we're gonna watch Paul, who like every single one of us has a plan for his life. And in the midst of his plan for his life, he gets radically redirected. He experiences failures and trials and suffering, but Paul keeps like a, a level head 
He's led by God, and God in his sovereignty, he brings about great things in the midst of all that Paul experienced. Okay, so go back to Acts chapter 15, verse 36. All right, a, a couple weeks ago, we watched Paul finish his first missionary journey. He was preaching the gospel. He was making disciples. He was planting churches. And this second account leads us into to Paul's second missionary journey. And here's what we see, verse 36. And after some days... Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Okay, so they're beginning their, their second missionary journey and this was kind of like a, a natural proposal for Paul. He said, let's go back to those places that we started churches and let's check on them and make sure that they're, they're doing well. And, and Paul and Barnabas, we've, we've seen they're, they're great friends, right? They, they've worked well together. Their gifts complement each other. I think that they probably thought that they were gonna walk through life journeying together for a long time, sharing not only like the vision of the gospel going forward, but also the wounds and the trials that they would suffer on the road of ministry together. They, they were just great friends. And they certainly would have never expected what was about to happen. Look at this, verse 37. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them, one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and, not, and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed. Okay, so as they're preparing to go on this second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take this guy, John Mark. And if you remember back to our study in, in Acts chapter 13, John Mark used to travel with with Paul and Barnabas did ministry with him, but at some point in Pamphylia, he, he left them. And we don't exactly know why he, he left, right? It could have been sickness. It could have been just homesickness. We, we know that John Mark kind of had like a, a privileged upbringing. And so it could have been that he wasn't able to deal with like the sufferings and the hardship that he had to endure with in planting churches and, and making the gospel known. But whatever the reason, you look at this, Paul considered this just absolute desertion. And he said emphatically, no way, like he's, he's not coming with us. But John Mark was, was Barnabas' cousin, right? and, and, and Barnabas saw this situation much differently and he wanted to give John Mark a, a second chance. But we see the result in verse 39, that there was a sharp disagreement. Right? Really, there, there was just a fight, there was a, a big conflict. And the, and the Greek word here for this sharp disagreement, it really denotes like a, a violent action or like a violent emotion. And so what we have here, guys, is, is not just like a, a good Christian debate. I mean, this is like a, a passionate conflict. And, and when we think about, you know, when we ever see conflict, we're, we kind of think like, who's to blame for this? It's not an easy question for us with this, okay? Because Barnabas wasn't wrong for, for wanting to, to give John Mark a second chance, but, but Paul certainly wasn't wrong for not trusting him. And going along on this task of planting churches, and this, it was a deadly task, right? They're, they're being hunted down. And so he's like, well, we can't do this because our lives are at stake. The gospel's at stake. We need to know that these people, these guys are, are with us. And so for me, you know, as I, as I see this, my, I think my judgment goes with Paul, but my heart goes with Barnabas. But either way, this was just a terrible and miserable situation for these guys. And I really believe that, that there's probably no two unhappier people in all of Antioch at this point. And, and with this, you know, you look at this, the unthinkable happens. Paul and Barnabas, these, these two great friends, they basically just agree to disagree and they went their separate ways 
doing ministry for Jesus. But guys, this was painful for these guys. All right, Barnabas was, was separating himself from like one of the greatest leaders in the history of the church. Paul was, was losing a friend that he owed more to than any other person that he would ever know. Because right, if you remember back to Acts chapter 9 with Paul's conversion, Barnabas was the one who, who came alongside Paul and went to bat for him and stood up for him and said, no, no, this isn't the same guy. Like Jesus has changed him and I'm standing by him. But the point of this, guys, is that the relationship between these two great and godly men had failed. It was, it was a failure. You know, as, you, as we look through Acts, right, we see when they make decisions, it oftentimes says that they prayed and they say it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit, and they make a decision. Guys, nowhere in this text does it say that the two of these men prayed about this and that it seemed good to them and the Holy Spirit that they separate. Instead, this was just a failure of some of the greatest men that the church has ever known. But I want you to see this, guys. God in his sovereignty, while he didn't cause this conflict, while he didn't cause this separation, he used it for his good and perfect plan and he used it to guide both of these men for his glory and the good of this world. Because now there were, there were two missionary teams and instead of one. And even more, Silas was brought into the equation and he added so much to Paul's ministry. He was a Roman citizen, he likely spoke Greek and really he made Paul's ministry like catalyzed it. He went to go further and, and faster and so although Barnabas was a, a tremendous loss, Silas was a great gain. And Doxa, I just want you to know it's oftentimes through our difficulties and our failures that God leads us and teaches us the most. And it's oftentimes through difficulties and failures that God leads us to greater godliness and more gospel productivity. I don't know if you've seen this in your life, I've certainly seen this in my life. And as it relates to, to sin and moral failures, like those times where I just fall flat on my face because of sin and pride and immorality, whatever. Though as I lean into God, he, he changes me. He makes us, me more like Jesus and I come out the tail end better and, and different. Even as me as a, as a leader, as I continue to grow in, in leadership, like as at times like you, you lack wisdom as a leader, you make a decision that you fail at. And in that, you learn so much and you come out the tail end different. God can use that. And sometimes we experience failure like this and we cannot see the hand of God any more than Paul could see it here as he set off on this new journey without his friend Barnabas. But we can know, guys, we can know that God is still there. He's still sovereign, he's still good, he's still in control, and he can still lead us. And so we shouldn't seek failure and we shouldn't excuse failure, but we can learn from it and we can grow through it. And this is what happens for Paul. And Paul sets off with Silas, all right, after this unexpected failure. And here's what we see, chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek, okay, so, so Paul comes to Lystra. He meets this young man named Timothy. Timothy had become a Christian on his first missionary journey when Paul and Barnabas came to that place. Paul sees Timothy, he's really impressed by this young man, his, his wisdom, his godliness, his faith, and so he invites him to join himself and, and Silas to go on this second missionary journey. And in, in this, guys, a, a beautiful, strong, awesome friendship began. 
I mean, Paul loved Timothy. He loved him. Later on in, in 1 Corinthians 4, he calls Timothy his son. As he writes First and 2 Timothy, he, he calls him his child. Like Paul had just like an affection and a love for Timothy like no one else. But once again, guys, throughout all this, Paul's introduction to Timothy, in it, we see the sovereignty of God. Because I want you to consider this, okay? Lystra was where Paul had earlier been stoned and tossed out of the, the city to die. Do you remember this as we talked about this in Acts chapter 14? It was just like this awesome moment in Paul's life where, but anyway, he's thrown out of the city to die. He's stoned there in Lystra. And now it's in Lystra that he finds Timothy. Now I want you to think about this, guys. If, if Paul had stopped and reflected back, which he's gonna do later on in this chapter, he would see that it's in the place of his stoning and his suffering that he found Timothy. And if you remember back to Acts chapter six, Paul had been influenced and moved towards the gospel when he witnessed the stoning of a young man named Stephen, this first Christian martyr that Paul was there watching. And then Paul came to experience the same stoning himself and that there was another young man who stood watching Paul. And as Timothy watched Paul be stoned and suffer, Timothy's eyes were opened. His heart was like set afire to the gospel. He came to Jesus and just like Paul, he became another one of God's redeemed people that God would use to change the world by giving the gospel to the people whom God loves all over the world. And as Paul reflected on this stoning and his suffering, guys, you know, he couldn't see the hand of God in the moment, right? As he was suffering and, and being stoned and like almost to the point of death, he, he couldn't see how any good could come of this situation. But then along came Timothy, and a great ministry resulted, and so much so that we're gathered here, and I'll touch base on that in a minute, but all of this is so important, guys, because there's so many people watching this morning that you're going through difficulties, you're suffering, you're going through failures, and with all of this, you're wondering, just like Paul, where's God's hand in all of this? Like maybe you're going through it right now and you're like, where is God in this? Because Paul didn't see God's hand at this time. Like we didn't even see God's hand in Acts 14. We didn't know what was gonna happen with Paul as he was stoned and like dragged out of the city to die. But here, as we look back, we're beginning to see God bring great things from seemingly hard and bad things that Paul went through. And Doxa, I'll tell you this, I don't know why God leads us sometimes the way that he does, but I just know that he leads us. I really don't know like why God and how God does it, but he leads us in our difficulties and our failures and our sufferings. And as he does it, he's in complete control. And sometimes we just need to sit back and relax. And we just say, God, I don't see what you're doing. I don't understand what is going on around me. I don't know why I'm suffering. I don't know why this is so hard. Where is your hand in it? I don't understand it, but God, you're in control and I trust you. Sometimes this is just what we need to do. And I see this posture from Paul here. He trusted God and he kept pursuing him in the midst of profound difficulties. And as it goes forward in verses four and five, we see Paul and Silas and Timothy, this, this new team, they're, they're working hard, people are meeting Jesus, the churches are being strengthened and growing. 
But this isn't the end of like the hardship, like even more unexpected things, more difficulty happens that can make us say, God, what are you doing? Like, where are you? Are you even around? Look at verse six. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. All right, so even more unexpected things. Paul's plans for his life in this, in this journey were, were just totally shut down. He tried to go a couple different ways to strengthen the churches and bring the gospel, but, but something stopped him. And so he tried to go in a different way and, and something stopped him there. And he ends up in a place that he never thought he would be. And if you look back, it talks about how the Holy Spirit and the spirit of Jesus were, were keeping him from this place. And we really don't understand like what exactly and what specifically was hindering them moving forward. You know, it, it could have been like a, a lack of peace. You know, this is oftentimes how, how God leads us outside of the Bible directing us in our lives is like, a sense of peace or a lack of peace and decision. It could have been like just difficult circumstances and illness. I think it's probably really possible that Paul got sick, all right, because Luke, the author of Acts, who is a physician, if you look at this, he joined them right after this. If you look at verse 10, Luke changes the narrative from they to we. And so it could be possible that Paul just got really sick and that was closing off all these doors and Luke came to his assistance. But regardless, their plans were shut down. Right? All their, the ways that they thought they were going to go just didn't work out. And once again, they were facing difficulty and uncertainty. And so here's another question for us to ask, Doxa. Like, what do you do when the unexpected happens? I mean, what, what do you do when, like, your plans are, are ripped out from underneath you? What do you do when the unexpected happens? And because we need to ask, like, as we look at Paul, like, what kept Paul going in the midst of, like, failure, in the midst of sickness and disappointment and just, like, upended plans? Like, what kept him going? And this is why, Doxa, this is why it's so important to remember the sovereignty of God and the plan of the gospel. Because when we remember those things, the answer to the question is clear. Like, when we say, like, what do we do when the unexpected happens? Here's the answer. Trust God. We trust God. And we see this through Paul, that Paul had faith and he had a really big view of God and he knew that God was in control of his life and that God was also good and he was caring, fully in control, fully caring and Paul could trust him. Can you do that? Like, I mean, if you're honest, do you have a view of God like that? I was thinking about this for me, you know, with all the craziness going on right now. I've, I've had the thought, I was talking with Lisa about this. I, would be like, I just said to her, I was like, man, this would be so hard to make it through this pandemic crisis and come out the tail end stronger without a big view of God. I mean, we're all, you know, we're going to work through this. And as we come out the tail end of this, like, we're going to be changed like, are we going to be better or worse because of this? And, and I, for me, like, I just don't know how we can come out better without a really big view of God. And even for me, this, this past week, this passage in, in the Bible, with all my plans and, and my worries, God has brought me to the place where I can just, like, breathe deep. And I can know that he's in control. And I can trust him. And I can trust his plan. And for Paul, guys, this was the, the heart cry of his life. In 2 Corinthians 4, this is what he says. Listen to this. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, 
perplexed, but not driven to despair. Paul kept trusting in God. That he always had peace and hope and joy. And as he keep, kept walking forward with God, he kept trusting God for direction in his life. And he finally ended up in a place called Troas, a place he never planned to be. Look at verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. All right, so Paul ends up in a place that he never expected to be, right? He, he had these plans and everything was kind of shut down. He ends up going to the only place he could go, this place called Troas. And all of a sudden he has a vision of someone calling out for help, urging him to come to Macedonia, which is modern day Europe. And, and whatever this vision entailed, its meaning was, was abundantly clear, all right, that, that Europe was, was calling out and they needed the gospel. And we see the result in verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia. Circle, star, underline, highlight, concluding. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And Doxa, this is the best part of this, this whole passage. All right, this word concluding is an old Greek verb that, that really means to, to bring together, to, to coalesce, really just to kind of knit things together. And as Paul and his guys considered this vision, as Paul was explaining it to them, they started to reflect back. They started to look back on all that happened in the past, all their past experiences, all, everything that they just lived through. And all of a sudden they concluded, they brought it together and it all made sense. And they were like, oh my gosh, God's been in control this whole time. He's been with us. And Paul here, he ended up exactly where he needed to be. And Paul was exactly the man he needed to be for God to allow something beautiful to happen in Paul's life and through Paul's life for the glory of God and the good of our entire world. And looking back, Paul understood this. You know, through his failure with Barnabas, in his suffering in Lystra with the addition of, of Silas and Timothy and, and all the closed doors that he experienced, he now knew as, as he looked back that I'm right where I need to be, that God has been with me the whole time. And he understood, he, he, got, he has a plan, he understood that God is, is sovereign. And for us, you know, we, we sometimes we can't see the hand of God in the moment. Right, and we're wondering, what is God doing? We look to the future, we're like, I don't know, but we can know that God is, is on the move, that God is with us, that he's sovereign, that he has a plan. And as Paul looked back, he was like, ah, I see it. And maybe you can think about your life like that. I mean, I think about my life and some of the sufferings that I went through, like losing my dad in high school, like some of the different sicknesses that I've experienced that have nearly taken my life. And I look back and I see how God has used that. He's used those past experiences, those sufferings to make me who I am today for his glory and the good of the world. This is true of every single one of us. God is in control. So Doxa, here is the big idea. Trust God. Trust God. He's in control. Paul kept trusting God and he maintained a level head and as he was looking back on his life experiences, it all made sense. This makes me think about places like Proverbs 19.21 where it says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purposes of the Lord that will stand. I think of Ephesians 1.11 where Paul says later that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. We can trust God. We really can. God is, is sovereign and he is good. 
And guys, the result of, of Paul trusting God and not giving in to despair and just laying down and throwing in the towel and becoming jaded and giving up are incredible here. I mean, this is honestly one of the biggest moments in the history of the world. I, I mean, this is bigger than like Christopher Columbus. This is bigger, bigger than like Vasco de Gama's. Like this is bigger because the result of this is that the church in Philippi was started. We see this in verses 11 through 40. This new church is started. And without Paul going to Troas and then going to Macedonia, we might not be sitting here because this first church in Europe that was started has been like a hotbed of just gospel movement throughout the world that came to the West, that came to us because Paul trusted God in his sovereignty and with his life circumstances. And so let me just end with this. We have to ask like, okay, so, so what, right? What's, what's the, the big like abiding lesson for us? And this is, this is what I think. The most important thing, Doxa, is our attitude. Trusting God. Trusting God with our lives, trusting God with our, our families, trusting God with our finances, trusting God with our, our future, trusting God with, with our church. It's not about us, it's, it's about God. We can trust him. That God works in us and works through us and he directs us in every circumstance, in every situation that we go through, the apparently good and the apparently bad. God is, is moving and he's directing us and he's leading us. And even when we look at these guys, like they all succeeded. They, they all trusted God, they were faithful to God. Barnabas and John Mark, they, they go on and, and do ministry. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they, they're all changing the world. Even Paul and John Mark, they, they reconcile at the end as they trusted God and leaned in through faith. Trust God. G. Campbell Morgan said it well, and I'm going to leave you with this. He said, it's better to go to Troas with God than anywhere else without him. God is sovereign. God is good. Doxa, let's trust him. Let me pray. God, thank you for just this intensely practical word in our circumstance right now. Would you help us to be a people? Would you help us to be a church that would have this posture, that we would trust you, God? You're in control, you're sovereign, you're good. And we're just thankful to have a God that is completely in control, completely caring. And we just wanna be led by you. And so Holy Spirit, would you even just meet us right now in all of our individual circumstances, even as we're united in this, this pandemic, speak to us. Help us to trust you. Empower us by your grace to live as the men and women that you have created us to be for your glory and the good of our city, our state, our nation, and our world. God, we love you. We trust you. And we do say it's better to go to Troas with you than anywhere else without you. Thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. be seeing you later this week. We'll be doing some different things. Um, you can look for tomorrow, starting Praying the Psalms podcast. Um, 
and then we'll, we'll be gathering together virtually in, in connection groups. And so your connection group leaders will be reaching out to you and, and we'll figure out how to do this, this new normal. But guys, hey, we love you. I cannot wait for the next time that we gather physically to be in this place, just filling it with worship. Guys, I love you. Have a good rest of the day.